You're listening to the Common Descent Podcast. But we digress. Hello, Will. Hello, David. Hello, listeners, and welcome to a very special digression of the Common Descent Podcast. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting one. Now for something completely different. <laughs> Episode 12 was all about the geologic time scale, and we talked a lot about where the time scale comes from and how we determine where things fit on the time scale. But something that we didn't, you know, we, we touched on was this notion of just how deep is deep time. Yes. What, what is the scale of the geologic time scale? Because it's really hard to picture that just by talking about it. Yes, and it's, you know, as we mentioned in that episode, we know a lot about more recent things, so it's hard to imagine where exactly things fit in Mm -hmm. relation to each other. You know, it's easy to get this misconception that things happened at the same time that didn't happen at the same time. You know, it's hard to get your mind around it. There are a lot of examples that various geology educators have attempted to use to demonstrate the scale of the time scale. Mm -hmm. Probably the most popular one is the calendar. Yeah, that's the one you see most often. You know, the the beginning of the Earth is at midnight on January 1st, and the the whole Earth Earth history fits into one year. This is when Mm -hmm. animal life appears in, you know, September or whatever, and the the dinosaurs show up on December something, something, you know. Yeah. Uh, I've also seen it done with steps, uh, where it's distance, so mm-hmm. you know, if every step you take is ten thousand years, how many steps does it take to go back to, you know, Archaeopteryx, yeah. and how many steps to the Cambrian explosion and things like that? So there's a lot of different ways to to vi- attempt to visualize, yeah, to try to convert it to something understandable. Indeed, what we thought would be fun would be to do this as a podcast. Yeah. So we present to you, the listeners, the podcast timescale of Earth. Over, over the majority of this digression episode, which is a much longer one than usual, <laughs> we are going to follow the history of the planet from start to finish mm-hmm. at approximately 31.5 trillion times normal speed. Yeah, it's just notching up a little bit. Just a little faster than usual. We are going to follow the timescale under the conversion that every second equals one million years. Mm -hmm. This will make the four and a half billion year history of the planet Earth condense into about an hour and 15 minutes. Yep. But we're going to keep everything to scale. We're not, you know, we're we're a straight conversion. Mm -hmm. To put that into perspective a little bit, all of recorded human history takes place in about the last 10,000 years, mm-hmm. which is an amount of time we will breeze by a hundred times a second. <laughs> the entire history of our species will happen within less than the last half second of this podcast timescale. Yep. So we're not going to talk about humans very much. No. <laughs> we're going to be talking about all the other stuff. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up pretty pretty quickly. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you won't even notice when the humans come in. But we will start at the beginning. So the way that we are going to do this is Will and I are going to start our timers. Starting from zero, we will take you on a journey 
from the beginning of the planet Earth to the present day and point out various events as they happen as we pass them in our, on our super speed trip through time. Everyone, please buckle your seatbelts at the time. Keep all arms and legs inside whatever you're sitting on. Yes, inside the podcast at all times. Yes. Please do not stand until time has come to a complete stop. Exits are here, 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 and anywhere. <laughs> Hang on to your turban, kid. <laughs> all right. Are you ready, Will? I am indeed. Are you ready, listeners? Good. Yes. All right. We are going to start at the beginning of the world. Our 4.54 billion year history of the planet starts in 3, 2, 1, start. We are right here starting at the formation of the Earth shortly after the beginning of the solar system in the first section of our time scale called the Hadean Eon. This is a time period where the crust is still forming, oceans and atmosphere haven't quite come together yet, mm -hmm. lots of extraterrestrial bombardment, uh, very little rocks and, and minerals, no fossils whatsoever are preserved from this time period. We know very, very little about it. Yeah, this is, this is when we're becoming a planet. Yes. <laughs> Which is pretty crazy. You know, this is the stuff that people don't typically talk about, but, you know, this is when we're, like you said, we're getting hit by a lot of, you know, space debris, uh, and mm -hmm. things are starting to form and slow down as the solar system is taking its shape. Yes. This is, I, I mentioned that there's no fossils from this time period that we're in right now, the Hadean, named after Hades. Aptly. <laughs> yeah, very, very fitting. Yup. Uh, there are no fossils known from here, and there was probably little to no life at all. Yeah. Because it would have, conditions suitable to live in would have been very few and far between. Yeah. This is, it, for me, this is a really interesting time because this is when stuff like, this is when we get our moon. Uh, yes, the moon forms probably right about now where we're yeah. talking in our timeline. And it's it's interesting because people don't typically think about that, but we did not start with a moon. Uh, and as as best as scientists understand it, we were hit by a Mars-sized object. Yes. That knocked a big chunk of us off, which then decided to hang around and become our moon. Yup. Which is pretty crazy. Like this <laughs> was a time when the solar system was crazy. I mean, it was happening on a very long time scale, but it was crazy what was going on. Things were slamming into planets, were colliding. Oh yeah, everything is still forming right mm -hmm. out of the the solar nebula of space dust. Yeah, which is pretty awesome. Now the age of the Earth is determined by mostly by comparison with other celestial objects that we've dated. Right about now, in our timeline, around 4.4 billion years ago, is when we see the oldest known minerals. Mm -hmm. uh, these are zircon grains from Australia. They date back, like I said, to 4.4 billion years. They are the oldest dated Earth material that has ever been discovered. So we're starting to get things cool enough that they can actually form into recognizable shapes. You know, we're... Minerals yes. are starting to form and things like that. Uh, There's a lot of discussion that goes on during this time period about when exactly did we start having a, a 
a definite ocean mm-hmm. when exact you know exact steps in the the atmosphere formation yeah. did we have was the was the floor lava yeah. or how much crust was there and you know the, the these are things that are really really difficult to know yes largely because we have just about no evidence from this time period yeah and it's uh, you know until we get to watch a, a planet form somewhere else you know we've never yep. gotten to see <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the planets were already here by the time we started looking at them. So when people ask, it's a common question to ask, you know, oh, if, if we could travel back in time, could we survive on the planet? And the answer for a lot of Earth history is no. Mm-hmm. But the answer for this time period is a very definite no. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, I, it's not even certain you would have a place to stand. Yes, exactly. Like, this is... You know, this is as uninhabitable as any of the other planets in our solar system are right now. Like, yeah, it is not yet a. It's it's still cooking. Like that's the best way to think about yeah, it. It's not done yet. Is not <laughs> done yet. Is still cooking. Uh, which is super interesting. I mean, I, I don't know. I just I. You know, this is we we often talk about, you know, Earth and it. You know, it it's history, but we don't always talk about why it's unique and how it formed, you know, the fact that I'm sure many of our listeners have heard of the Goldilocks zone before, mm-hmm. you know, but that our planet is the right distance from the sun to have liquid water. Yep. And little things like that, the fact that we have a moon and other large planets and asteroid belts in our solar system that help protect us from impacts, you know, yep. the fact that we have uh, the right setup has protected our little ball so that things could grow on it yeah and i've even heard people make the argument that you know we're the only planet in the solar system that has currently active plate tectonics yes and that that might be necessary Mm -hmm. for the kind of life that we have yeah i mean we you know our type of atmosphere is very particular and even you know the magnetic field of the earth might be absolutely part of this there's lots of uh, evidence because from everything we've seen, Mars was very likely a lot like Earth at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is also in the habitable zone, the Goldilocks zone. It's oh, on yeah. the outer edge, but it is. But it does not have that electromagnetic field, which means we we see evidence for liquid water, that there was once liquid water on Mars and a number of other things. But if they lost that electromagnetic field, there would be no way for the planet to hold its atmosphere, which is what right, right. keeps the temperatures correct for things like liquid water. Yeah. So there's this interesting combination with Earth. You know, it's e- it's easy to to say, oh, Earth has all the perfect ingredients mm-hmm. for life, which, as we'll see as we go through this podcast episode, is not really the case. Yeah. It's a combination of Earth having good conditions Mm -hmm. and then also life terraforming yes uh which we will see a lot of right the the atmosphere we have today is only the way it is today because there's life on the planet yeah it's really it's that and which is a very interesting concept you don't typically think about it you that way it almost always is going the other way where the actual you know habitat and current situation of the earth is affecting the life. It's very rare that you typically think about it going the other way around, and usually you only hear about it with humans. 
Yes. And it's cool to think that that's been happening for a while. Indeed. And you mentioned uh, this being a time of intense collision Mm -hmm. and such. And there was, during this period that we're in right now in our time scale, uh, a, a time period of some duration known as the Late Heavy Bombardment, which is a time <laughs> where it's it's thought that the Earth was basically getting hit all the time yeah, with extraterrestrial rocks flying through space before the solar system kind of stabilized enough that there wasn't so much debris flying around. Mm-hmm. And it's it uh, it's really interesting because people don't typically think about it, you know, but it there's a question to be asked as to why are we not crater pocked like the moon is, and it's mm-hmm. it's because of how we formed and where we are in the solar system. Yeah, well, the, and the reason that we don't hold on to our craters is that we have an active surface. Yep, and so they get wa- they get eroded away and moved around. And subducted and uplifted and all sorts of stuff. And that's that's another thing that, you know, the surface of most, you know, with the surface of the moon, the surface of Mars, the surface of most asteroids and Pluto. Yeah. Are the what has been the surface for quite some time. Yeah. Whereas in the on the Earth, most of the surface of the Earth is very young comparatively. Yeah, we we are a living planet not because we have life, but because our planet is actually still moving on the inside and outside. Like, yes, <laughs> it's an active planet. Yeah, which is cool to think about. The others have, you know, gone dormant isn't quite the right, but they've stopped that process. Yeah, they don't have that activity. Right now, we have hit the four billion years ago mark. We are not quite 10 minutes into the podcast episode, or into our timeline, that is. Four billion years ago is also around the time that we see the oldest rocks. So the the oldest minerals that we mentioned before are just that, minerals. They're mm-hmm. grains of zircon, microscopic, tiny little grains. I think they're on display in either the museum in New York or in the Smithsonian. One of them has, I think, some of these I know we saw them, but I can't remember bones. which one it was in. <laughs> yep. Um, but these are the oldest rocks, and uh, some of the oldest rocks on the planet come from the Acadian Nice up in Canada. These are rocks that seem to be around 4 billion years old, mm-hmm. which puts them during this time that we are still in, by the way, in our time scale, of, you know dynamic formation mm-hmm. uh, which which of course does indicate that we're starting to get solid crust formation yeah things are cooling or settling enough that rocks are able to solidify and, and then so, stay that way and stay that way so we're we're you know things are slowly but surely stabilizing and those those solidifying chunks of this continental rock will ultimately end up forming the basis for the continents. Mm-hmm. Right? Most most continents that we have today are built around these cratons, these ancient solid cores yeah. that the continent has sort of built up around. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be around the time that we're getting those forming. And it's, which is another thing that's crazy to think about. It's, re, you know, four billion years is hard to wrap one's mind around. It's even crazier to think that things that happened then 
are still at the core of things today. Like, yeah, <laughs> these are rocks that have been around for four <laughs> billion years. That's crazy. Well, that's one of the reasons that I love going through the time scale is that it's 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 just so cool to see how things come together. Mm-hmm. It's like when you're watching, it's like watching a Quentin Tarantino film. Yes, where exactly. he shows you the end, <laughs> and then you know what the end looks like, mm-hmm. and then you go through the whole process and watch as the familiar things come together. Yeah, as you start to recognize the pieces. Yeah, going through yep. the geologic time scale is very much like watching Memento. For anyone out there who's seen, <laughs> yes, <laughs> where you just keep discovering new pieces, like wait, 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 I know this has to be before that and after that, yep, and then you find out who's the crazy one. <laughs> Turns out it's Christopher Nolan. <laughs> it's indeed it's awesome. So the Hadean Eon, mm-hmm. this time period that we've been in, this hellish time period, is about to end. Here at around 3.8 billion years, right about now, the Hadean Eon is over, and we have transitioned into the second of our big divisions, the Archean Eon. R.I.P. Hadean. R.I.P. Hadean. The Archean Eon is going to be very interesting because now we're in a time period where we have stable crust uh, to form, like we said, the formation of continents. There are now oceans, proper, consistent oceans, we have an atmosphere in the Archean, although it is not an atmosphere like we have today. Yeah. Uh, this There is very, very little oxygen in this atmosphere. Lots of methane, lots of ammonia, Ugh. things like that, that, once again, not a great time for somebody like us to be around and try to live there. It's not very good for lungs. No, it's not. <laughs> Fortunately, there were no lungs at this time. Ha. Huh. But around this time, where we are right now, transitioning into the Archean, this is around the time that we start getting reports of the possible earliest signs of life. At this age, way back here, you know, more than three and a half billion years ago, we're not finding fossils. Mm-hmm. We're finding, pos- you know, chemical traces yeah. in the rock that are the kinds of things that are caused by living organisms interacting with the environment, most of the evidence from this far back is contentious. It's maybe it's life, maybe it's something else, but there's there's hints that life had already gotten started by the beginning of the Archean. Yeah, it's a a lot of these kind of evidences are one of those things where it would make sense if there were life, but by no means does that mean it was definitely you know, and definitively, the beginnings of life. Now, it's interesting to to think about that, because if those signs are indeed evidence of life, right, from Mm -hmm. as far back as 3.8 billion years, and one of the rules of the fossil record is the first in the fossil record is almost never the actual first. Mm Mm-hmm. Because the fossil record is incomplete, right? You're getting the 10th or the 12th or, or whatever, so if life was around back then, then there's a good chance life kicked off around the end of the Hadean. Mm-hmm. And if we're right about the Hadean, that would mean that life kicked off about as soon as life could have kicked yep. off, which is really intriguing. He was just waiting in the wings. 
ready to go. Just waiting to go. It's it's really interesting because uh, you know this is this has been something in not like super recent, but in just generally more recent times of scientific discovery, but the common thought with life was that it was a very delicate thing that needed very precise settings mm-hmm. to be able to survive. And then as we've explored more and more, we've realized, no, life will live just about anywhere you put it. You know, we have, <laughs> you know, uh, extremophile bacteria in, you know, highly corrosive pools and, you yep. know, ta- you know t- poison, you know, things that would be poisonous to us. We have the, underwater sea vents, you know, entire ecosystems oh, yeah. functioning without sunlight. Super heated, super toxic. Mm-hmm. Uh, some places super cold, like cold seeps, very yeah. cold waters. They've found life underneath the Arctic ice sheets that have, yep. as far as they can tell, not been exposed to the outside world for a crazy amounts of time. And so it is, though it seems crazy, not as surprising that life may have, as soon as things set up that the right scenario came up for life to begin and it and it did yeah and indeed you know we we mentioned most life today would not be able to survive Mm -hmm. at this time period that we're in on our time scale and that's why when we're when scientists are investigating what may the earliest life have been like they look toward to those extremophiles exactly when times were places like hydrothermal vents and and acidic pools and things like that the kinds of you know places without a lot of oxygen mm-hmm. places with a lot of ammonia things like that is we may it may have seemed something very similar to that which is interesting the the beginnings of life are still one of the you know the most debated and discussed topics because it is still very much a mystery yeah it's one of those it's an interesting subject because and uh, there's a whole episode to be had on oh, that. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, speaking of life, before we miss it, right now, at 3.5 billion years ago, is where we see the earliest generally accepted fossils. Mm-hmm. So we are now uh, still in the Archean. We see stromatolites. Yay! So sh- stromatolites again. They're not direct fossils. But they are these stacked layers of minerals in such a composition. Are these the ones that hang from the ceiling or stand from the ground? <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not those. <laughs> nah, you jerk. Stromatolites. Basically, what these are, these are formed by microbial mats. Mm-hmm. So these are, you know, single-celled organisms together in a in a goop in this sort of technical mossy patch that as they're metabolizing they're releasing mineral ex you know excretions below them and building up these layers that form these layered mounds it's it's the the concept kind of of how a coral reef works but it you know not the purposeful colonial yes formation of a structure it's just the you know as they excrete those excess chemicals there forming these mounds indeed so we see these at around this time these are going to be pretty common uh stromatolites are not around as much today Mm -hmm. because conditions have changed 
but at that time, these also would have been, so that the kind of life that we have now, and we, now we have it in our time scale, we now officially have life. It cropped up somewhere along this, this yeah. line. Where, where did you come from? Where did it come from? Where did you come from? <laughs> Mr. DNA. <laughs> from your blood. These are single-celled, simple cells. So the, the no nucleus, right? These are prokaryotic cells like bacteria, mm -hmm. like a lot of those extremophiles that we have today. They are photosynthesizing, which makes a whole lot of sense because th there's one really fantastic source of energy on this planet <laughs> that and, you can always rely on. And not, not much else life other than you. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Now, it's interesting that, you know, probably not long after certain microbes developed photosynthesis, other microbes probably developed the habit of feeding on those photosynthesizing microbes. It's, well, it's sort of like whenever a new avenue, avenue in society opens up, they're like, hey, we just designed this whole new you know, business concept online. Give it a month. Someone has already figured out how to scam or exploit it. <laughs> you know, it's the same. Well, and now you've got you know life has begun. So your arms race has started, mm -hmm. and now you've got natural, which means evolution has kicked off. Which means natural selection is in effect. Mm -hmm. Which means you've got some pathway is going. You know what's more efficient than making my own energy <laughs> is stealing it. Yep. From somebody else. There are already these them. large stockpiles in the form of my neighbor. Yes, exactly. <laughs> a Fred over there has got weeks worth of energy in him. It's fantastic. And uh, the photosynthesizing is important because this is that becomes the basis of just about, you know, as we discussed earlier, not all, but just about all you know, or most ecosystems photosynthesis is the base yeah. of that food chain. So this is where we first see that foundation formed. Indeed. We also are going to start seeing, because, uh, you know, what photosynthesis does is it takes in, one of the things it does is it takes in carbon dioxide and releases oxygen. Which is good for us and most other oxygen-breathing things. Indeed. So this is going to, we're, we're seeing the beginning of that terraforming we were talking mm -hmm. about where now you have a feature on the planet that is releasing oxygen into the atmosphere. And it, it's not going to take off just yet, right? Right now we still have this very ancient, almost oxygen, completely no oxygen, almost yeah. toxic atmosphere that is good for these microbes and nothing else, at least not yet. I've heard, just to, just to drive home how different and weird this early Earth would have been, and I don't remember what color it was, but that the sky would not have been the blue that oh, we recognize it because Makes of the, the molecular makeup of it. Without oxygen, it would not have been dispersing the light the same way. And so it would, have been, it would have looked different. Like even if you just were able to go back in a spacesuit and take a picture, it would not look like Earth. <laughs> That's cool. The other thing, actually, if you looked up at the sky that would be different, as we mentioned in episode 12, is the moon would be bigger. Yeah. Because it was bit. closer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as as time has gone on, the gravitational interaction between the moon and the Earth means that the moon is basically pulling on the Earth, mm -hmm. which slows the Earth's rotation and speeds up the moon's orbit. So the moon is slowly getting faster and slowly moving away. So it's... 
which is interesting to think about because a lot of, like I said, Mars went through a process where it was atmospheric as far as we can tell and then lost it. You know, we are still changing. Like, we're being slowed down. Yeah. Eventually, following that to its conclusion means someday the Earth will stop spinning. <laughs> like, yeah. And so things are well, not. I mean, or we'll lose our moon first. I think we lose the moon first. Yeah, that might it might not take it's enough. That. That's very true. Now, what does happen is that eventually, uh, and this is what people always love to point this out because it's a fun little fact mm-hmm. about the movement of the moon. Given enough time, and it's like five hundred million years or something. Yeah. Um, we will no longer be able to have a total solar eclipse. Yeah. Because the moon will be far enough away that it won't be able to block the sun. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and once we lose the moon, that's no more tides. That's true. We they, will have our, our very tides different. Will change. Mm-hmm. And so, indeed, Earth's still adjusting. It's just on a scale that we don't <laughs> notice. <laughs> In the Archean, uh, like we said, you know, life now, and uh, we should point out now. About almost 25 minutes into our time scale, we have hit the 3 billion year mark. We are now 3 billion years ago. Checkpoint reached. Checkpoint reached. Save point. We can save here. (laughs) The Archean... Right, right. So life has shown up, and and I, I think that, you know, we kind of breezed over it, which is probably how it happened. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. that there there wouldn't have been this big, you know, life is, is on the planet, but it's, at this point, it really, as far as we can tell, it's not this transformative mm-hmm. feature yet. Well, you and know, it's, it, you know, a thing uh, I see a lot of things talk about is the fact that for the long, long period of time, life was just single-celled organisms, and a big part of that is that sex didn't exist yet. Oh yeah, these were just splitting, which slows down natural selection a lot. When you don't have, when the only diversity you're getting is via mutation, then you develop slowly. And so, right now things were pretty stagnant. You know, things were not changing on on the course of new species. Or I mean, new species were probably popping up all the time, but we weren't getting these crazy new designs right now that having been said of course we know next to nothing about this time period exactly right we're we're talking about life a lot but again at the fossil record at this point the rock record in general is extremely sparse it's better than the hadian was Mm -hmm. when there was just about nothing but you know very little is known and and this is a time it may be that there was a lot of evolutionary innovation going on. You know, bacteria swap genes all the time. Oh, yeah. Which no. is a ridiculous habit of theirs. Bacteria are very alien in the way they function, which is cool, but crazy. Yeah. But this is also, you know, it, it may very well be that the, the world was run by single-celled organisms for so long because there was no impetus. Mm-hmm to change, right? It, it maybe they were, maybe something, a change was needed. Yeah. So going to back to see our, that. our island, you know, ecosystem 
episode. Uh, episode four. Yeah, in that when you have a stable habitat, there's no reason to adapt past once you've adapted to that ecosystem. Like, if the ecosystem's not changing, then once you're good enough to survive there, you don't need to keep getting better if there's no competition. Yeah. Like, why put in the energy and effort? You will just kind of stabilize. And so the same thing could have been happening. It's also interesting to think about, and now now I, we should point out, we're just kind of rambling right now as we yeah. go in between the points. So these are thoughts off the off the top of the old noggin. Mm-hmm. But it's also an interesting point that there was also a lot of space. Yeah. So I I, I wonder how severe competition was mm-hmm. in a planet where you had single-celled organisms and they that could probably go just about anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Like you may not have had this organisms being on top of each other and having to wrestle for. Re- they could have been just so spread out that yeah, you they weren't competing the same way. It it's it's interesting to think about to where you know if you were able to go back and see this time. Yeah, of course, what it would look like in general is a very interesting question, but you, know, mm-hmm. you could have seen this seemingly barren wasteland and barren seas that are just covered with living, you know, a living mat of oh, yeah. organisms. Which is, like, it's that very alien. Like, it sounds like something you would come across on a sci-fi. It's it's true. And, and you know, we don't have that today. And that's a really good, interesting mm-hmm. point is that bacteria and, and similar prokaryotic organisms behave differently in a world without plants and animals and anything else. Yeah. One of the reasons we don't have stromatolites around nearly as much today is because the sort of mats that are required to form them get eaten. Yeah. Because you've got all sorts of creepy crawlies these days that scoop up that algae and scoop up whatever it is and eat them. Mm-hmm. And so... You don't, you know, they can't stick around, right? That that's now there's competition. Now there's something keeping them from from holding that niche yeah, that all they these, would otherwise have. All these new species coming in and taking the good niches in the ecosystem. Indeed. So now we should point out also that you know still in the Archean, mm-hmm. but we're in a time where we have a lot of the geological functions that we're going to see throughout the rest of history have started, right? So, like I said, we have oceans, which means mm-hmm. we, we will now have ocean currents. Yep. We have an atmosphere, which means we will have atmos- We have weather. Yep. Of course, you know, in much the same way that life has been around for a long time, pretty much all the earth processes that are happening today have been happening. Yeah, it's it, now it's functioning. It's just got a lot less, a uh, lot uh, far fewer residents. Indeed, and it looks very different. Mm-hmm. Right. Just again, just as life has not become quite as recognizable as as we have today, neither has the atmosphere, neither has the land. This mm-hmm. this is a, an alien planet. Yes. And indeed, speaking of plate tectonics, right around now, around 2.7 billion years ago, 
evidence indicates in indicates evidence <laughs> indicates <laughs> that the Earth saw the formation of the Kennerland supercontinent. Dun dun dun. Da-ba-da-ba. So a lot of people are probably familiar with the idea of a supercontinent. It's this this phenomenon that happens when all all or most of the pieces of continental crust on the planet join together in mm-hmm. one giant a- sub-aerial landmass. Yeah. The Kennerland supercontinent has formed. It will be around for quite some time. Uh, this this is a long-lived one. Mm-hmm. It, you know, I, a lot of people are familiar with Pangea. Yes, that's right? what you uh, this, typically hear about. And it comes as a surprise to a lot of people to learn that Pangea was not the first supercontinent. This is actually a this is actually something that has happened many many times where mm-hmm. the continents have come together, broken apart, come back together. The Kennerland supercontinent that has formed right now. So any right, we're still at the, we're toward the end of the Archean. Any life that's living on the planet now, if it's in the ocean, it's in one giant ocean. And if it's on land, it's part of this one giant landmass. Yep. This might not even be the first supercontinent. There is potential evidence for at least one earlier case where all the continental crust came together as well. Which is, it's, once again, you know, we're going so far back that things like supercontinents, the number of which can now become unclear. <laughs> like, yeah, you would assume that the amount of times every landmass on Earth, or just about, has been all together would be a fairly simple thing to, you know, put a fixed number on. It's like, no, when you're dealing with billions of years, yeah, maybe there was another one. I don't know. It's really vague. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, it's hard and again, to tell. We're we're still in a time period where we don't have a ton of evidence, right? We have enough evidence to say a lot of the, you know, we know what the crust was doing at least a bit. We know what life was doing at least a bit. But this is still a a very ancient time. Like we said before, the Earth has an active surface, Mm -hmm. which means things get wiped away very relatively quickly. Yeah. So the odds of something surviving become lower and lower the more time passes. Exactly. And so it's... You know, th- th- think of it as the the longer after you get to a crime scene after the crime, the less yep. solid your evidence is going to be because now it may have been moved, it may have degraded, and same thing goes here. Is right now we're looking at a very blurry picture of the Earth as far as our evidence goes, and with every step we take closer to modern day, that picture becomes more and more clear. And now. At 2.5 billion years, the Archean Eon has ended, and we have moved into the third, three out of four, the third of four major eons of Earth history, the Proterozoic. The Proterozoic, we're going to start to see some very interesting things happen in the Proterozoic. We're going to see more diversity in life as this time period goes on, and we're going to start to see more increase in oxygen. As that life diversity is increasing, yes, the atmosphere is changing. The world is becoming slowly more recognizable. 
And so it's 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 neat. We're seeing step by step, you know, the process of it gradually turning into what we what we'll be able to recognize. And that's really the the truth throughout all of Earth's history. Is it's not until recently that things look like what we recognize it as. Yes. Uh, these ancient eons that we're passing through also have further subdivisions. If you study the Proterozoic, yes. you break them down into the Neo-Proterozoic and, and others. Uh, we won't go too deep into those, partially because I don't know them really. Uh, but also, you know, we're breezing by. Yeah, there's there's a lot. Just like we discussed in the Geologic Time episode, enough is happening here that you can identify distinct sections, yes. right? The geology is changing, your, you know, chemical compositions are changing. Speaking of which, right about now, something very significant is happening in our timescale. If you look out the window, to your left, you will see the Great Oxygen Crisis. Everyone hold your breath. Everybody, well, (laughs) everybody who's already alive. Yes. Hold your breath, tiny microbes. The Great Oxygen Crisis is a time where we see a major rise in oxygen. This is a relatively quick rise in oxygen getting closer to what we see today. Mm-hmm. Right Now we have an atmosphere where a significant portion of it is made up of oxygen, and this oxygen is coming from living things. Yes. Why does it happen right now if living things have been photosynthesizing for so long? Not entirely clear. It's possible that there was a geologic shift that mm-hmm. happened. It's Something may have set it off. One of the the big signs of rising oxygen comes in in a a mineral deposit known as banded iron formations, Mm -hmm. which are evidence of rising oxygen levels in the ocean, basically rust. Uh, And the minerals deposited at the bottom of the ocean are rusting with these rising oxygen levels. Yeah, it's the same reason Mars is the color that it is, is from. Indeed. Which is another one of those examples, which is cool. That's a cool way to, to find your evidence is that yeah. it's rusting the planet. Yes, it is. Around this time, we also see the start of what's called the Huronian glaciation. So this is essentially an ice age that is so cold and extensive that it may have reached almost over the entire planet. Mm-hmm. This is a type of event that is often referred to as a snowball Earth. Yes. Where you had glaciers down to the subtropics, maybe even the tropics. We mentioned that in our Cambrian episode a little bit, and the whole concept being that the white of snow and ice reflects more sunlight, which cools the Earth, which allows more freezing, which reflects more sunlight. And so that if you started getting cold enough that you got substantial glaciation, that could trigger trigger a domino effect to spread the glaciers even farther. Yep, and it's going to run away. Mm -hmm. So right now we're in this extreme glaciation, which is going to last some time longer. Mm -hmm. We're also seeing a rise in oxygen in the atmosphere. We're still in the the Kennerland supercontinent. One of the other things that's that's very notable is this, you know, I I called this the Great Oxygen Crisis. Yes. And that's because this shift, right, this rise in oxygen, which sounds so good to us air breathers, Mm -hmm. would have been 
devastating to the life on Earth at the time. Yeah, it's anytime you make a massive shift in the environment, it's going to kill off something. So this might be the first known global mass extinction. Now, we don't have the, the fossils to know if that's true or not, but it's very likely that all these organisms that have been dominating the planet since we started this time time scale 40 minutes ago, right? Almost well, lots of billions of years ago, <laughs> right? Are now suffering as these, basically, well, to put it in an extraordinarily ironic sense, yes, they're changing the planet so much <laughs> that they can't handle the changes <laughs> and they're suffering for it. If only there were a lesson to take away. I'm sure there's some poignant yeah. uh, point to be made there. Yeah, we're not microbes. It can't. <laughs> <laughs> Those stupid bacteria I didn't even know what they were doing. You're so dumb. <laughs> uh, you farting out the stuff that killed you. Uh, yeah, no wonder you're extinct. <laughs> so yeah, so this, this may have been a dramatic shift. We yeah. may, uh, fellow time travelers, have just passed by a global mass extinction. Which is, it's it's neat to think, sort of like uh, when they discovered the, ma the you know, aquatic mass extinction, it's it's cool to look for evidence of those things because you'd think it'd be very obvious, but it isn't always. Sometimes it's like, yeah. I'd be surprised if there wasn't one here. But we just don't know. Mm-hmm. And now... We are at 2.1 billion years ago. A couple things are happening. The Huronian glaciation is subsiding. Our massive ice age that has gone on for a good 300 million years <laughs> is ending. Right, We're pulling out of this glaciation. Also, that supercontinent we've been on for even longer than that mm -hmm. is breaking up. Kennerlin, the, the pieces, you know, tectonic activity is now starting to pull this continent apart into separate land masses around the globe. It's interesting because, uh, you know, the supercontinents breaking up is, you know, that's one of those things that, you know, we discovered by looking at fossils today. And, you know, here we would have to be looking at, you know, rocks for the most part. And it's, no, it's it's yeah. it's still cool to me that these massive events we have to look for very small clues because it's so far back you're not going to get a big blaring sign you have to really be able to read the details. Yeah, and the way that we oftentimes we're reading continental movement in the past is with the magnetic signatures in the minerals. Mm -hmm. That as the their position relative to the north magnetic pole has changed we can read the signs of their motion across the surface of the Earth. And then you get continental, you know, geologic formations that yeah. have come together and broken apart. More on those in a bit. Right around now, something extraordinarily, ha extraordinarily extraordinary is happening. Around now, right? So we are now at 2 billion years in the past. We are about 42 minutes into our timeline, about halfway through. Around this time, we see the earliest eukaryotic organisms. That's us. 
that's us. Except they don't look like us because they're still single-celled. Eukaryotes are complex cells, right? More complex uh, cellular organs, but you know, mm-hmm. organelles, yeah, the, the, the little bitty functional things yeah. inside of a cell, such as the nucleus, mm-hmm. exists in eukaryotes, mitochondria, chloroplasts, uh, all those things you learn about in bio class, the endoplasmic reticulum and things yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. The, the parts that you know, we see in ours and all other animal cells. Yep. This is when they we first start seeing evidence that they're around. Yes, complex cells today are in animals, plants, fungi, and protozoans. Mm-hmm. At this time, once again, we're still single-celled. These are still very, you know, microscopic, very simple organisms. They are now just very simple organisms with complex cells. Yes. There's also evidence, around, possible evidence around this time, of multicellular organisms. Yeah. That some of these cells may now be coming together to form permanent colonies, right? It's not just that there's a bunch of them hanging out in the same place, that they're actually sticking together and functioning as a unit of several cells instead of just each cell for itself. Yeah, we're starting to see the colonial aspect of microorganisms which is very cool right and even a step beyond that that they're you know like a sponge Mm. which is a body that's made up of maybe four different kinds of cells yeah you know we're not quite there yet you know we'll see that in in just a little bit uh where we start to see something a bit more complex but colonial complex cells very exciting Big step on the road to ourselves. All, all the other cool things that we look for in the fossil record. And all the best stuff. Yeah, mo- yeah. We should also mention, since we're talking about the origin of eukaryotes, the way that it is suspected, based on all sorts of great, great evidence, that eukaryotes arose is by a symbiotic relationship between a large prokaryote and a small prokaryote yes. inside of them. <laughs> I was going to mention that is the mitochondria, we believe, used to be separate. Yes, and they have their own DNA. They mm-hmm. inherit genetic material separately. Same thing with chloroplasts. These are minor remnants of this symbiote that our cells took within us earlier on. Right around now, the continents are getting back together again. They're getting the band back together. Ooh, I missed you guys so much. Yeah, the, the, the reunion tour. The second of our big supercontinents that we're going to talk about is called Columbia. Coming together around this time. Now, uh, once again, if you look out the window, hands and arms inside, but look out yep. the window. Get your cameras ready, folks. Yes, as time <laughs> flies by us at 31 and a half trillion times normal speed. You know, so now we're in this this range of we are starting to see earliest evidence, possible evidence of not just multicellular organisms, but differentiated multicellular organisms, which is to say, not just a a a united colony of all of the same cell, but a body, for lack of a better word, yeah. 
of multiple types of cells working together. Yeah, and doing different jobs, doing different, serving different functions, but all working as a single unit. Yes, this is a hallmark of complex organisms. Mm-hmm. Right, our bodies are made up of many, many different kinds of cells working together. Uh, I mentioned sponges before. We don't have sponges yet outside our time traveler device, but we do, you know, a sponge is, is like four or five types of cells making a body. And there's there's plenty of other well-known uh, organisms that fall into this category. The Portuguese man-of-war, which people, you know, are, are pretty familiar with, Mm-hmm. Often being jellyfish looking thing. Yeah, it often gets lumped in with jellyfish, but it, it is the blue, it has a big air sac on top to keep it afloat that acts like a sail to move it around. But it's a mm-hmm. colonial organism. If it gets broken up, it will turn into multiple Portuguese man of wars. They will recoalesce. Yeah, they, they come back together. And sponges, one of the, the the greatest facts about sponges is that if you put a sponge through a blender the cells will come back together and form a sponge again. Yeah, exactly. Like they are they are not tissue yet. And that's yep. that's what we're missing is they're working together but they have not formed into a dependence right. on they're each not, other. Uh they're not um I had a word, I lost yeah, reliant. it. Reliant on each other. Yeah. Exactly. They're not inseparable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you take one of our muscle cells away, it will die without the rest. It without the rest of our body system. Not yep. so if we were a big old colonial organism. Another thing that's cropping up at this time, around this time, we see just another extremely exciting thing. The earliest fossils of true plants. Kind of important. Kind of important. In this case, uh, the earliest fossils of plants are right now considered to be red algae. Mm-hmm. Again, microscopic, single-celled. Very simplistic. But actual plants, right? These are photosynthesizing eukaryotic organisms, chloroplasts on the inside. The beginning of of what will come to be a dominant group of organisms Mm -hmm. on the planet. We also see around this time the fossils that appear to be the earliest true fungi. Which is very interesting. Single-celled, you know, very, very simple organisms as organisms go. But fungi and plants have arrived on the scene of our timescale. Which is pretty cool. It's it's interesting to find out when things popped up. Yep. You, know, you, you wouldn't think about fungus being that far back, but it's pretty neat. Yeah, things are... Once again, we're, we're seeing the slow development of the world as we know it. Show, slowly but surely, the players... T- will all be present and take the field. <laughs> it's interesting to think about how, you know, a complex organism is a series of simpler organisms coming together. Mm-hmm. That your eukaryotes are cells that formed by assimilating smaller cells. Mm-hmm. And that a complex organism is basically the logical next step of a colony. Yes, exactly. It's just where, you know, why don't we do this all the time? <laughs> it's kind of the... Yeah, why don't we just stay together? Hey, what if when we reproduced, we just kept doing this? Like, mm-hmm. the next generation stuck together like this. Yep. Speaking of things sticking together and coming apart, 
Everybody, uh, look out the window of our time-traveling, time-scale podcast, time-scale, and wave goodbye to the Columbia supercontinent. No. The continents, once again, are breaking apart. Tectonics is tearing them away from each other and pulling them uh, out of the supercontinent that we had mm-hmm. into separate segments. Yeah, it's it's, you know... It, it's pretty logical once you think about it. If the continents are going to move, eventually they're going to bump into each other. Like, Oh, yeah. You can't put a whole bunch of moving pieces on a limited board <laughs> and not expect them to collide. So it, it's not surprising that they, you know, at times... And this in you know, a good thing for everyone to know. This does not mean that, like, Africa was running around at this time bumping into everything. These were just... these. No. Land masses were very different. You know, we mentioned that in the Antarctica episode that for a while, Antarctica and Australia just were hanging out with each other, separate from everyone else for for a little while. Right, as one continent. Mm-hmm. You would not recognize these continents yes. that we're seeing in our time scale right now. Uh, yeah, so it it doesn't mean that they broke up into seven pieces. This, they could have broken right, up into right. any number. Of two big ones, three medium ones, or ten really tiny. I mean, there's really no way to know. Mm-hmm. And indeed, a lot of the time when continents, you know, supercontinents don't all come together and come apart in one movement. Yeah. One, two, three, right. split. Usually it's bits and pieces come together. Mm-hmm. Until eventually everything is has joined, and then when it breaks apart, you know, it'll break apart. Maybe one piece over here, maybe the whole thing breaks in two, and then those two start breaking apart. Yeah. It's not a, you know, it, it's a gradual, slow process. We'll still mark the beginning of that breakup as when the first landmass began to began to leave the continent. Uh, yeah, but it could take it. You know, they can take a long time to actually finish breaking up. Absolutely, and some some of them may. You know, pieces that came together may never break up. Yeah. And just now they're together. I used to always wonder as a kid why Europe was considered a continent mm-hmm. when it's attached to Asia. Like, I was like, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wasn't always attached. And then North and I... South America weren't always attached. Yeah, which is, you know, once I learned that it, you know, it was on its own tectonic plate. That that's why, it's like, oh, that makes more sense. <laughs> uh, but it used to be so confusing because as a kid, a continent is a big piece of land surrounded by water. And that's right, right. You know, that's it. Why are uh, you guys breaking the rules? Yeah. It's like, no, you stop, stop trying to make yourself sound bigger than you are. <laughs> you're up. Now, play tectonics is a subject we can certainly, you know, we can go into detail on in, in a future episode if yes. the listeners want it. But when a continent, you know, the, the crust moves like a bunch of weirdly shaped conveyor belts, and, and the continents are yes. lumpy chunks of the belt that are carried all over the place. When a continent splits, it's, you know, you get this stretching of the crust from both sides. You know, tectonic activity is pulling on it until a weak line across the, the landmass breaks mm-hmm. and then the, cr- the continent pulls apart the crust between it thins until it's thin enough that water comes in yeah now you have you know ocean you have a small sea which will eventually become an ocean 
these also are end up being rift zones where new crust is being formed, yeah. like the Mid-Atlantic Ridge. And so you're forming oceanic crust, which is low enough and thin enough that it is covered by oceanic water. Uh, this is happening today, right? Uh, East Africa is rifting today. Yes, Gradually yes. separating apart. And we'll see this uh, a few times. And But then, like Will said, the you know, those forces that pull them apart, well, the Earth is a sphere. Yeah. So you can't go too far <laughs> before... If you continue to go in one direction, you eventually end up back where you were. And indeed, the continents are back together again <laughs> in our time scale. This time, the Rodinia supercontinent. It's, they just can't can't stay away from each other. It's the supercontinent formerly known as at this point. <laughs> <laughs> you just keep changing your name. It's the same old supercontinent. <laughs> you can't just. It's 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 Rodinia classic. <laughs> uh, right about now. If you look outside with your super microscope cameras, yes, we see an exciting fossil, and I'm actually going to name this fossil for you, dear listeners. We see a fossil called Bangiomorpha, which is a type of red algae, which has been around for a while now, as we discussed. But this one is the earliest example of two exciting things. First, it's the earliest definite example of a differentiated multicellular organism. Right, like we were discussing before, this this is an organism that now has, it is colonial. It has multiple cells doing different things. Mm-hmm. It is also the earliest known organism in the fossil record that reproduced sexually. <laughs> what this means is that it's not just splitting its DNA and, you know, splitting its cells in two. Yeah, it is exchanging DNA with other individuals, combining that DNA to make a new organism, right? This is how all animals reproduce. This is how uh, plants and fungi are able to reproduce this way. This is a big innovation in reproduction because this allows you to have much more diversity in your next generation, in your your genetic shifts. Yeah, and the reason this is so important is natural selection acts by putting the pressures on organisms and or the organism has have to be different from each other for there to be any selection involved otherwise it's all just right random you know rock fell on you but we're all exact clones of each other so it was just as likely that anything would happen and when you're budding or splitting by just making a copy of yourself you're just cloning and the only way for there to be any difference or evolutionary change is through mutation just purely random things affecting your genetics but now when you reproduce you're taking half of your dna and mixing it with another organism's half of their Mm -hmm. dna but you don't know which halves you know that's why you and your sibling are not exact copies because you got a different 50 percent of your mom's dna than your sibling and a different 50 percent of your dad's dna now, they may be more or less similar. You know, me and my brother, he has brown hair, I have red hair, so ours are fairly separate. <laughs> but then yeah. you can have some siblings that look almost exactly the same but aren't twins. This amount of difference gives a whole new way to put pressures and develop new adaptations so it can really speed things up. There's a lot more genetic variation for natural selection to act upon. Which is very exciting. 
It, yes, it is. So we are, again, we're still in the Proterozoic mm-hmm. eon. We're on the Rodinian supercontinent. Uh, oxygen levels are higher now, nicely higher, and perhaps that's even one of the reasons behind why we're seeing these complex organisms now, arise. Now it sounds like a weather report. Yes, it does. We take a quick break from the weather to point out that A, we are now at the one billion years ago mark and almost an hour into our time scale, and that around this time, and we don't know for certain, this is mostly from genetic studies, molecular clock studies, like mm-hmm. we talked about in episode 10, this is the time where it is thought that the first animals arose. Now, again, these would have been extremely small, very, you know, relatively very simple multicellular organisms, but the first direct ancestors of animals, if they did indeed show up around here, then now we are on a planet where we not only have bacteria and other prokaryotes, we have fungi, we have plants, we have animals, the stage is set. Yes. We have the earliest examples of the all the major groups, all the major kingdoms mm-hmm. of life that we have today. And this, just to re-mention it, it took us an hour to get here. <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> and uh, things things are going to start picking up here in just a little bit. Yeah. Now things can start speeding up. And this is this is part of why we did this uh this episode to begin with, but it you know really want to drive home the fact that the vast majority, you know, 3 billion years of Earth's history was sans animals. It was without Oh yeah. <laughs> animals. You know, we we focus on everything after that point when you're typically looking at the fossil record. But for Earth, this is a recent development. Yes, this is a this is a new thing. Like right now, Earth's probably just now starting to really get bugged by the other planets to get it checked out. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen a comic that was um, it it was a, a webcomic of the Moon and the Earth mm-hmm. talking to each other. And the moon was like, "Hey, Earth, you're you're not looking so good. What what's wrong?" And the Earth is like, "Man, I got humans." And the moon's <laughs> like, "Oh, like man, I can't. Oh, that's re- that's a real shame. I I'm I'm really sorry." And then and then in one of the panels, you see the little sh- shuttle fly off the Earth and land on the moon. And the moon goes, "Ah, oh, I have them too." <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think I've seen that. I can't remember if it was that one or a different one, but there's one where they go, ah, oh, they're contagious. Run, Mars! And then it just shows Mars going, ah! Oh! <laughs> I have seen that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so back on Earth, uh, we are now at a very exciting time, right? So we are, we have lots, we have a diversity of complex, though still very small, right? Mm-hmm. Microscopic. Uh, complex cells in the beginnings of complex organisms. We have an atmosphere that is much more developed, obviously, than when we re- when we started way back in the beginning. It's even got a bunch of oxygen, uh, and I hinted mm-hmm. at this a little while ago. But it's you know it's suspected by some that rising oxygen was what has allowed organisms to become larger and to become more complex that 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 source of fuel is something that was necessary to power the bodies of of organisms yeah exactly well it's uh 
Yeah, we're not quite there yet, but when we were talking about the Cambrian explosion, that whole idea that it's not so much that, you know, life was, you know, got different as it may have been the stage was set just right for a new change to happen. Yes. Enough things were in place for suddenly life to go, okay, how about animals? Yeah. Which so is... The, 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 no, the, the rise in oxygen was rough for the old guard, mm-hmm. but ushering in a new guard. Hey, listeners, right about now, Rodinia is breaking up. Sad. The supercontinent of Rodinia is pulling apart into multiple continents once again. Will they be back again? Time will tell. And then we'll tell you. And then we and then we will and then this this podcast will tell. <laughs> and we'll all know. So another interesting thing's about to happen. Earlier we mentioned when we were in the Huronian glaciation that major almost across the entire planet glaciation that was called Snowball Earth. Well, we are now in the start of a time period called the Cryogenian, which is another intense glacial period. And another incidence that is referred to as a snowball Earth. In fact, over the next hundred million years or so, or minute and a half, <laughs> we will see perhaps multiple pulses of snowball Earth glaciation. Yeah, it's this this time when it was likely it, it seems that the Earth may have been freezing and unfreezing and freezing and unfreezing, which is. Yes, in in ice ages, phenomenally unimaginable. Yeah, it, it, and really, that's that's the right term is unimaginable. It's really hard to wrap your mind around a it that like you know to think of Earth as if it were Hoth. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. And there aren't even any taun. Nothing you can cut open. I know, right? And hide inside for warmth. Your tauntaun can't survive out there because it doesn't exist yet. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, I I love learning about these early times when Earth was so alien. It's really oh, eye-opening. Sure is. Speaking of early times, right now, the latest snowball Earth pulse ends, and we enter the Ediacaran period. The Ediacaran fauna are the first large, multicellular, mm-hmm. true animals. We mentioned these briefly in our Cambrian Explosion episode. We now have large-bodied, macroscopic, which is so you can see them with the naked eye, animal life. Very, very exciting. We also have about 10 minutes left Yes, in our time scale. This is how recently these incredibly weird... Like, these, these organisms are so strange, we don't know who they're related to. We don't know whether they gave yeah. rise to modern groups or went completely extinct. We don't know how they moved around. It is yep. <laughs> these incredibly alien early life forms happened on this time scale ten minutes ago. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the Ediacara, they're still around, right? They, these are long-lasting. They, they showed up a little while ago. They're still governing the world. But we are mm-hmm. about to see a major shift. This is a big one. The Proterozoic is drawing to a close. We are about to enter the final eon of our timescale. At about 540 million years ago, the Phanerozoic eon, which encompasses the entire rest of of the history of the planet, is going to start in 3, 
two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, the Cambrian Explosion. Kaboom! The rise of almost every form of animal life that we have today. We have arthropods and fish Mm -hmm. and all sorts of crazy stuff showing up now. This is the beginning of the Phanerozoic Eon, the Paleozoic Era, and of course the Cambrian Period. Yeah, this is, once again, this is when every recognizable grouping that we see today first popped up, all the major groups, and that's how recent it was in relative, you know, relative to everything else. Yes. And things are going to start, the pace is going to pick up now. Yeah, we're going to have to start <laughs> speeding it up, because now all the things we recognize are coming back to back. Yes, things out the window of our time-traveling machine are happening a lot quicker. Yeah, no, we're not speeding up. Now, the Cambrian period is ending and enter the Ordovician period. Over this period, we're going to see a rise, a a diversity of jawed fish, trilobites, brachiopods, mollusks, uh, ancient reefs made, some made of corals, others not. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, The rise of corals, in fact, in this time period as well. The oceans are starting to take shape into. A, a form that we can start to really recognize ecosystems that we see today. Yes. You know, the predator-prey relationship is firmly taking hold. We start seeing some really cool predators. Yup. We so, have animals with eyes and animals with teeth. And right now, the Ordovician ends in a mass extinction. One of the big five mass extinctions. Mm-hmm. The biggest that we, we, we know of. This is the start of the Silurian period during which we are going to see evidence of plants and animals making it onto land for the first time. It's taken it this long for us to finally start to walk on dry land. Yup. And now the Silurian is over. We are in the Devonian period, the age of fishes, where we're going to see all sorts of fish. Uh, Lots of sharks evolve around this time. Huge diversity of sharks. Armored fish, placoderms like Dunkleosteus. Oh, he's so cool. This is one of the favorite things to say at the aquarium, and everyone loves this fact. But the thing that is, we've seen plants getting onto land now. Trees don't exist yet. So all no, of no, these animals we're talking about are older than trees. Yes, all the land life at the moment is uh, invertebrates, right? Yes. Insects, spider-type things. Yeah, arthropod-type stuff. And very small plants, you know, stuck by the edge of the water. Mm-hmm. But that's about to change. Right about now, we see vertebrates move onto land. Fish with legs crawl up onto land, and we have the rise of amphibians. Just in time for the Devonian to end in the second of the Big Five mass extinctions, which ushers us into the Carboniferous period, mm-hmm. which where we're going to see the rise of trees. Yeah. Massive forests, massive swamps. This is where most of our coal deposits come from. This is also going to see a big jump in oxygen levels once again. We also at this time see the first true reptiles start to appear. And right about now, oh, I missed it. A little while ago, Pangea (laughs) formed. (laughs) The continents have come together again, and it Ah. is Pangea. And indeed, the collision of North America and Africa during the formation of Pangea is what created the modern-day Appalachian Mountains. Here in the eastern United States. Oh man, things are happening fast. You turn your back for a second, and you just got Pangea. It's crazy. Just had Pangea. Boom. Absolutely. 
and the Carboniferous is ending now, which ushers us into the Permian period, where we're going to see a diversity of early reptiles, early synapses, which are, are the ancestral ancestors and cousins of mammals. Mm-hmm. Things like Dimetrodon and such show yeah, up here. Yeah, some really cool, weird stuff starts popping up there The that get lumped in with dinosaurs, but are very much not. Indeed. All this happening on the massive continent of Pangaea. Supercontinent. Everybody take a breath, because the Paleozoic era, the first era of the latest eon, is about to end. The next era is the Mesozoic, the Age of Reptiles. And it's going to start with a bang 250 million years ago in 3, 2, 1, Permian Extinction. The biggest extinction in the history yeah. of the planet brings us into the Mesozoic era, starting with the Triassic period, where we're going to see the earliest turtles, mammals, dinosaurs, mm-hmm. pterosaurs, those big marine reptiles, uh, the earliest crocodiliforms, the earliest yeah. lizards. We're, we're seeing modern groups. All, all the good stuff. All the good stuff. The age of reptiles has begun. Yeah, so it's going to start speeding up now. Now, once again, we are not speeding up. <laughs> it's just getting a lot more crowded. <laughs> no, 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 no. Our list of things to mention is happening a lot quicker. Yeah. We are a little bit more than 200 million years ago now. And right now, the Triassic ends in another of the big five mass extinctions. This is the mass extinction that allows the Jurassic starts and dinosaurs begin to rise. So that, now we are in the age of dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. We're going to see favorites like Brachiosaurus, Stegosaurus, Allosaurus. Yeah, a bunch of big cool ones. And right about now, the rift is opening up between uh, the eastern and western continents, forming the Atlantic Ocean as Pangaea is coming apart, and the uh, continents are splitting out once again. Right around now, as that's happening, we're going to see some of the earliest examples of birds in the fossil record, as well as some of the earliest snakes in the fossil record, as the Jurassic draws to a close. And the Jurassic ends now, and the Cretaceous period begins. It's... things are happening... You know, much more back-to-back because we're having a much more refined view of our fossil record at this point. Yeah, and things are legitimately developing quickly now. Yeah, we're getting diverse life. Right about now, we see this spread of flowering plants. Things can Flowers be now. showed up. Uh, since we're in the Cretaceous, now we're also seeing the development of groups of, of dinosaurs like uh, the Ceratopsians, mm-hmm. the Hadrosaurs, uh, early Tyrannosaurs. Yeah. Uh, and at this point, time's going by so fast, not even that early anymore. Yeah, exactly. Like, we're starting to see some of the really notable things. It's still crazy me to think that for m- most of life on, on the land, there weren't flowers. Yes. Such a Only thing recently. we're used to today. If you look out your window right now, you might even see some of the earliest true crocodilians. Now the world is worth living in. <laughs> now it's a perfect <laughs> world. Ugh. We have snakes and crocs living together. All right, things are going to pick up really quick. You ready? We have a minute left. The Rocky Mountains started forming right now, just in time for the KPG mass extinction, which happens now. 
This is the end of the Age of Dinosaurs, the end of the Mesozoic Era, and the start of the Cenozoic, the Age of Mammals, which means we are in the Paleogene period, and mammals are starting to take off. Right about now, the Indian subcontinent has collided with Asia to form the Himalayas. In the Paleogene period, we're also now seeing the cropping up of most modern groups of mammals. Primates, bats, whales, most mm-hmm. recognizable groups are showing up just outside in our time scale. And now we see the spread of grasslands. Get that. Grasslands. Grass is yep. now taking over the planet. The Paleogene period ends now and ushers in the Neogene period as the world begins to get cooler. Right about now, Antarctica is frozen over. Antarctica is now completely covered in ice. The earliest hominins, the earliest human ancestors, are showing up now. The Ice Age begins now, and three, two, one, we are in the present, and our time scale is over. Right about now on our time scale, David and Will sit down to make a podcast <laughs> about the geologic time scale. Yep. <gasps> What a crazy ride. There you go. So that if that doesn't drive home how recent the things we're typically looking at are, I, I don't know what else. Because that, that last minute is where all of mammals that we'd recognize, all of them start really showing up. Oh, yeah. The age of mammals was the last minute of this podcast. And, and you'll notice Will didn't talk. Yeah. Because <laughs> we, we rehearsed it. There yeah. wasn't just no time. <laughs> it's so much is happening in there. And it's, it's you did the quick math at the beginning as to the number of events in the first hour. Yep, is, is about the same as the number of events we had to list off in the last 15 minutes. And so it's, you know, it, it really is that the more recent something is, the more clearly we can see it. Yes. And once the Cambrian explosion happened, we since then we have seen a much greater rate of important new changes, right? Important to us. Like we said, there was probably lots of diversification and shifting going on early on, but that was bacteria we have no fossils for. Yeah, exactly. When, you know, we talked about that community explosion is that part of the reason for seeing those fossils might just be that we finally have fossilizable things. You know, we have fossils before that, but very rare ones. And, but since that point now, most of life has the ability to be fossilized much more readily and we can now have this huge diversity they're now sexually reproducing they now have eyes to hunt each other with they're now teeth to grab each other with they're now dominating both the land and sea you know very shortly after that so we start seeing very quickly life kick things into the fast lane indeed so there you go the history of the planet in an hour and 15 minutes one million years to the second listeners We hope you enjoyed this trip down memory lane. Mm -hmm. Back through the ages. Thank you very much for joining us. As always, we are the Common Descent Podcast, and we'll see you next time. Take care, everyone. (laughs) 